We learned a whole lot of things through this terrible tragedy, and one is that life is precious, but it's also fragile. The old adage is true. You never know when's going to be your last opportunity to be there for someone you love. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. The theme of our time together is finding hope even in grief as we talk with a friend and father about the death of his five-year-old son. J.J. Jasper is with us to talk about losing Cooper. Before we hear from J.J., though, can I ask you to make note of our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you can read more about today's guest, see the schedule of upcoming guests and topics, and choose to listen to any past interview you may have missed. It's all at firstpersoninterview.com. And another easy way to listen to these weekly conversations is by using our smartphone app for phones and tablets. Using this technology, you can take programs with you on the go. Download the First Person Interview app at no cost or obligation. One of my radio colleagues is J.J. Jasper of American Family Radio. He'll start by explaining what he does in just a moment, and then we'll talk about the tragedy of losing his five-year-old son in an accident. Here's J.J. Good morning show started broadcasting in 1985. I'm with American Family Association, American Family Radio. Do mornings and we have almost 200 stations in 36 states. So I feel like a cheerleader for Jesus to help people to get up and get started off to work in school. And it really is an honor and a wonderful privilege. Well, even though we've never worked together in Radio JJ, uh, we have crossed paths a few times, and it was the story of your family losing your little son, Cooper, that has touched so many hearts that I just wanted you to come on first person and tell us that story today. So introduce us, first of all, to your family and your lovely wife. I have a wonderful wife, Melanie. She truly is a Proverbs 31 wife. We have seven children total now. Hard to believe that I'm Even saying such a big number, our quiver is full. And as you mentioned, little Cooper, blonde hair, blue eyes, big dimple, always smiling, a remarkable little boy. All of our children are special. He was our only son at the time. And if I can take us back to Friday, July the 17th, 2009, Wayne, our our life was charmed. Our life was marked with ministry and travel and a wonderful church family. Uh, great friends and just exciting, lots of adventure and a close-knit family. And I just returned from a business trip, and it, it was Friday. The weekend was here. The sky was blue, summertime. And Cooper and I went for a ride in our uh, dune buggy. It was a oversized go-kart or a small dune buggy with a roll cage, padded side roll bars, very low to the ground. He was buckled in, just something we'd done many times. And we were, we'd bought a small farm with horses and cattle, and we were going up and down a dirt lane. And the wind was in our hair. We were laughing, father and son having fun, a daddy and his boy making memories. Went up and down this dirt lane, and after we were through riding, I just did what we always called a donut. I was mm-hmm. just going to turn the wheel, spin around, head back to the house. I turned the wheel, floored it, spun around, and then Wayne, something went terribly wrong, and the dune buggy flopped over. I I was not buckled in. Cooper was, and it spit me out. And the first thing when I hit the ground, I remember like it was yesterday, I thought, oh, man, I hope I didn't put a scratch on Coop because he's my best friend, my little buddy. 
And if I broke his little arm or, or he put a scratch on him, I, I, was, I thought I'll never be able to forgive myself. And I raced over to his side, the dune buggy still laying on its side. And in that rollover, just a freak accident, it broke his little neck. And my only son, five-year-old Cooper, died in my arms oh. Friday, July the 17th, 2009. Mm. Wow. Well, tell me, uh, I'll talk to you more about the story in just a moment, but tell me about Cooper. Who who was this little boy? You know, I, reading your book, I feel like I know him a little bit. He, he sounded like quite, a, quite an all-American boy. An amazing little fella. He never went through the terrible twos. He never once stomped his foot and said no. He was athletic. He loved to laugh and sing and play. And we just thought he was going to be a Tim Tebow, or we thought we were raising a young George Washington. <laughs> Already showed signs of leadership, and it made everybody laugh. And just a, we thought he had a calling on his life. Mm. But yeah, a remarkable little fella. And you know, when the doom buggy rolled over, all those words that you hear, surreal and shock and horror and all those things come into play. And it's just, uh, it's just you think this is a nightmare. I'm going to wake up from this because your life can't suddenly change that quickly. But it, you're, everything really can change in an instant. But, but God is faithful, and he is able to see you through no matter what happens in your life. Indeed. Well, it's every parent's nightmare, and you've lived through it, and you have found hope in God through it. We'll talk about that. Melanie wasn't home at the time, was she? She was not at home. I'd returned from a trip to Denver, so I sent her into town to give her a little break, and I was there with the kids. And so I had to make that phone call no one wants to make, and she received the call that no parent ever wants to receive. Did the two of you bond together immediately in grief? I mean, sometimes it can drive a husband and wife apart almost immediately. That's that's a great question, Wayne. Uh, someone has said... Uh, a woman who loses her husband is called a widow. A child who loses their parents is called an orphan. There's not even a word for someone who's lost children. Mm. The pain is is just, there's not a graph to be able to measure the pain. People have said it's the worst pain on the planet. Now, we know we're not the only family who's ever suffered, but it's just out of order. It's unnatural to outlive your children. And I read somewhere where 89% of marriages fail when there's the death of a small child and, and the blame and the regret and the unforgiveness and all of the things that come in uh, to that situation. And, and we actually talked about that. We wrote about that with chapters called uh, Guilt and Regret and Forgiveness. But uh, we, we were just hanging on for dear life and just trying to, to help ourselves and help each other as we, as we would grieve. In fact, we would wake up each morning and... As soon as our eyes would open, shoulder-shaking sobs, when we'd finally uh, get our breath, we would hold each other and we would pray a simple prayer, Lord, help us grieve well. Mm. And we would just pray that over and over. We didn't even know what it meant or what it looked like, but we didn't want to plunge into any kind of destructive behavior, and we didn't want to be a statistic off in the ditch on the road of life somewhere, but we would just say, Lord, please help us grieve well. And since you were at the wheel when the accident happened, J.J., you say in your book it was essential that you had Melanie's forgiveness right right from the get-go, right? 
Yes, sir. Uh, it was my idea to buy the farm, my idea to buy the dune buggy. It was my idea to go riding that day, and I was the one driving the dune buggy. So you talk about adding insult to injury. I know something about regret and guilt and uh, and all of the things. You're already grieving and you're numb and you just feel like uh, you're just in a fog putting one foot in front of the other. And anyone who's lost a loved one, uh, they know what we're talking about. But then with me uh, doing the driving, it just compounded the, the agony and, the, and the, the, the guilt and the, and the mourning. But Melanie was amazing. When I mentioned her being a Proverbs 31 woman, she really is. And when I was not able to forgive myself and have frequent meltdowns in those early days in the very raw stages of our grief, my wife and my children just assured me over and over, Dad... You love Cooper. You would have laid down your life for him. This was an accident. You've got to get this through your head. It was an accident. Accidents happen, and we need you to be strong for us. Hmm. You got that message from your family, J.J., and I understand you got it from others who had gone through similar experiences themselves who came to you even in the, the hours after the accident, right? I did. I had a friend, Clay Cruz, who... I wanted to walk down the little lane and see if there was a hump that we had driven over or a rock out in the pasture because it was completely level. And while we were walking, Clay asked me if I thought God was at his post when that happened. I said, yes. Do you think he could have prevented the rollover? I said, yes. So you don't think he had wandered away? You think he was right there looking down when this happened? And he, and he asked me that question, Wayne, about 10 times to the point where it was almost getting an, annoying. Mm. And I said, yes, I don't know any other way to answer yes. And then with a holy boldness, he said, well, God is sovereign, and he made heaven and earth. He's in charge of life and death. So if he was watching and had not wandered off, and he's, and he's Lord of lords, and he's king of kings, and he could have reached down with his little finger and kept that from happening. So you can't shoulder all of this responsibility. He's at much at fault, if you will. Or he's at least, he was able to, to keep it from happening. So he gave me some much-needed counsel that just surged me forward, just thinking about, even though if you don't understand everything and you've got more questions than you have answers, you rest knowing that God is sovereign. You received the forgiveness of your family and friends. Was it hard in any way to forgive yourself, J.J.? Absolutely. And it's an ongoing process that's going to require a lifetime of grace you know, some of the best advice early on, um, not just forgiveness, but just a way to take baby steps to move forward in our grieving and our mourning. The minister at the graveside service told the immediate family, he said, in the coming days and weeks, people with good intentions will tell you in time you'll get over this. No. But unfortunately, it's just not true. Not That's not accurate. He said, you're never going to get over it. Now, you will get through it with God's help. You'll never get over it because this is not a wound that will heal. This is an amputation. And just like someone's lost a hand or a foot, an arm or a leg, you're never going to get over it. You're going to have to find a new normal. You're going to have to find a, a new way to do life. And, and I would offer that same advice to, to you listening who's lost a grandparent or a parent or a loved one, and you're hurting and you're in the very raw stages of your grief. You're never going to get over it, but you will get through it with God's help because of his, his mercy and his grace. 
More of the Jasper family story, Losing Cooper, coming up in the second half of today's First Person. Last year, the Far East Broadcasting Company received over 2 million responses to its broadcast, reaching people throughout Asia and beyond. And the stories they tell of lives changed by the gospel and the new hope and purpose they have found in Christ is outstanding. When you visit FirstPersonInterview.com, be sure to click on the FEBC banner. Find out about the daily devotional, How Shall They Hear, telling many of these stories. That's the FEBC banner at FirstPersonInterview.com. My guest today is J.J. Jasper. J.J. is the author of Losing Cooper, Finding Hope to Grieve Well. And I'm happy to have J.J. on the air with me today to tell this story, as hard as it is to tell even after this time has gone by, J.J. It, it still is painful for you, isn't it? It's very painful. And after only a couple of months of losing our sweet little boy, if I can put it into perspective, uh, Friday afternoon, uh, we had a charmed life. A wonderful family. Sun was shining. Sky was blue. That was Friday afternoon. Riding in a dune buggy, a father and a son. Saturday, mid-morning, we were at the funeral home, and the the man, the funeral director, was saying, which casket do you want for your little boy? Oh, boy. All, mm. those, all those words about... This is this is just yeah I can't wrap my brain around this. There's not even a category in your brain that yeah. will allow you to think your children are going to be there one one moment and the next moment they're not. But uh, but having said that, a couple of months after the accident, only a couple of months, American Family Association approached us and they said, "You haven't turned to drugs or alcohol. Your marriage is still strong. You're not angry or bitter at God. You're still going to church." That's usually not the case. Your story needs to be told. And they weren't trying to exploit us. They said, we want to make a movie. Number one, we want to give it away, not sell it. And number two, we just want to offer hope to hurting people. And so they filmed a movie, Flame On. Dr. Dobson helped with that. Dr. David Jeremiah, they're in the bonus tracks, the Kendrick brothers. And we've given away over 50,000 copies and over 100,000 people have seen it online. They can see that at jjjasper.com. But so many people were helped with that. We heard from, from thousands who said, you really need to write a book. And so Losing Cooper, Finding Hope to Grieve Well is the movie in book form with, a, with much greater detail. Yeah, talk about some of the memories you have with your son. I was particularly touched when you talked about just the two of you going up flying one day. You, you have a pilot's license and took him up in the plane. And talk about that moment, J.J. Only a few days before the accident, I took him flying. And the, there are two steering wheels, two yokes in the airplane. And there's a feature called push to talk where we've got our headsets on. We're talking to each other. But when I push this uh, button, then I can talk to the, to the air traffic controller in the, in the control tower. So as we were taxiing, we got all the instructions from the, from the tower. And, you know, and he's, Cooper's hearing the tower fellow listening to us. I let my finger off the button so he, he couldn't hear, but I pretended like I was still talking to him. And I said, Mr. Control Tower, I said, you need to know I've got a, a fine young man in here. And, and there's not just one pilot in this airplane. There's two. Oh. And even though Cooper is only five years old, he's very dependable. He helps me and mommy. And he's a smart boy. And I know we're going to be going really high and really fast. But don't you worry, because there's there's not just one pilot in this plane. There are two. And, 
Well, he, he looked like Barney Fife. That chest was <laughs> swelled up, and he, he had that. He, he gripped the controls a little tighter. And just when I finished that last statement, the tower gave us uh, a clearance for takeoff, and, and it was right on cue. And, and Cooper was not any wiser that he hadn't heard all that and was just <laughs> acknowledging, okay, you two pilots, you know, are, are clear for takeoff. But we, we, we built a cabin on a lake, and we fished, and we rode horses, and we were a very outdoors family, so we squeezed a lot into his five years. That's such a great story. I'm glad you told it. Uh, we talked about how you and Melanie have uh, dealt uh, with this tragedy. How about the other children in the family? Uh, what have you seen in your kids as they've responded to the death of their brother? You know, they all have grieved in different ways. And I would say that all of the the children have been amazing in their ability to cope, to mourn and grieve, except for one. One daughter, she's been very fearful since that happened. And so I would ask your listeners for prayer for my daughter, Sadie. But but God has made children to be so resilient and uh, we have a lot of uh, church, our life centers around our local church. So, you know, the lifelines for our entire family, not just our children, but for all of us, is we just uh, stuck with the basics. We, uh, you know, we'd get up and read our Bible when we wouldn't feel like it. We prayed even when we didn't want to, and we stayed connected to a community of believers and and huddled in close as a family and and we're there for each other, and those were lifelines for us. Mm. J.J., even as you grieve, you have been learning how to comfort others as they grieve. What are some of the lessons you've learned? You know, that's actually biblical. Second Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I was just thinking of that same passage, right? Yeah, we know we're not the only ones to have suffered. And so, uh, you know, we never signed up for this, but uh, we've heard from thousands of people who have lost loved ones, particularly those who have lost children. And they say there are just not a lot of resources out there. So because of the movie Flame On and because of our book Losing Cooper, Finding Hope to Grieve Well... That was our prayer, the subtitle, Finding Hope to Grieve Well. We don't want people to plunge into drug or alcohol abuse, uh, do things uh, destructive, uh, habits or lifestyles. And it's so easy not to just sit on the curb and be completely paralyzed by, by grief because the pain is just more than I can even describe mm. in this interview. Mm. Wow. What did it mean to you to have friends present with you, even if they never said a word? That's very, very important. At the, at the, the viewing and at the funeral, uh, nearly a thousand people showed up for uh, the funeral of a, a very special little five-year-old boy. And Wayne, 95% of the people that came through the line shook her hands or gave us a hug and said, I have no words. Right. I'm just so sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. And that really is appropriate. People say, how can I respond to my friend whose mother has died or whose spouse has died? Just you being there, your presence will speak volumes about your love and concern for them. Hmm. People, of course, want to respond by doing something. What, what's the best practical thing that someone did for you that you didn't even ask them to do? 
You know, there are so many things, the meals, the uh, the people that would, that you know, God's timing is perfect. His grace is sufficient, as I mentioned. And when we would be at the lowest possible point, the just right phone call or the just right act of kindness. But I guess one thing that just comes to mind is people would send cards and they would have a, a picture of their little child and Cooper would also happen to be in the picture. Mm. And they would say, I took a risk of upsetting you. I hope this doesn't upset you. But in our minds, we were like, are you kidding? (laughs) This is pure gold because we're never, ever going to have another birthday celebration. We're never going to have another Christmas with our sweet little boy. And to see this picture that we didn't even know existed, this is is treasure uh, for us. So that was something that just kind of uh, immediately comes to mind. One more thing today, J.J., a couple of times you've used the phrase flame on, and I I want you to talk about where that comes from and what it means to you. Cooper loved superheroes. (laughs) He had a lot of them. He was all boy, wasn't he? (laughs) He was all boy, yes. And uh, And we included a lot of pictures of him in the book so people could get to know him, but he his favorite was the Human Torch, a team member of the Fantastic Four that could burst into flames but not be consumed by the fire. Because the torch used the words flame on to ignite his superpower, that expression became a favorite of Cooper's. And if he was on my back and I was I was running with him or if we were riding the, the Wave Runner, when he wanted to go faster, he would say flame on. And that was just a little something we had between us. And so we were riding in the dune buggy and Cooper would yell, flame on, and I would hit the gas because, as I mentioned, it was a dirt lane, and it was completely level, and we were out in the pasture on our little family farm. But after after the, the accident, after his death, this is something people do. You remember the last conversation you had. You remember the last meal. You remember what they were wearing. You remember their wave the last time you said goodbye to a loved one. And I looked back and thought back, and realized the last two words that Cooper said while he was on this earth were flame on. And so the ones that made the movie, they thought that would be an appropriate title for that documentary, that DVD, Flame On. And what does that mean to you to hear those words? You know, it just means to just go all out for the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know if you have five years or 50 years. We learned a whole lot of things in this through this terrible tragedy, and one is that life is precious, but it's also fragile. And the old adage is true. You never know when's going to be your last opportunity to say, I love you to someone you care about. So love and forgive and be generous and live life to the fullest and live life to the glory of God, because you really never know when when it's going to be the last opportunity to, to be there for someone you love. Well, the Jasper family's story of losing Cooper but finding hope in Christ is a powerful testimony. Nothing sadder than the death of a child, but as they grieve, they trust God in all of this and encourage us to trust Him with our sorrows. With me today on First Person has been J.J. Jasper. His book is titled Losing Cooper. More information at firstpersoninterview.com. I'm very glad you were able to join us today for this program. Our website has other links to information for you as well, including a link to the Far East Broadcasting Company, who helps make these programs possible. FEBC broadcasts in many countries, always in the local language, and you can learn more by clicking on the banner at firstpersoninterview.com. 
Next week, it will almost be Thanksgiving, and we'll pause to give thanks for the blessings we receive from farmers. Max Armstrong will be with us. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.